Hey, everyone. I'm Mark Robison. I'm running for North Carolina State Senate, representing Charlotte's District 39. I'm also your host for the Elephant in the Room podcast, where we tackle issues that a lot of folks are thinking about, but nobody seems to be talking about. And we've got a nice, deep issue today. It's the DOJ and the FBI. Time for an overhaul. Or I guess I should put a question mark at that, but... Um, there's been a lot of overreach recently, and I am really excited about our guest. He is U.S. Congressman Dan Bishop. He represents North Carolina's 9th District and is a member of the very important House Judiciary Committee. Thanks so much for being here, Congressman. Hey, Mark. I'm delighted to be with you on your podcast. I compliment you on the doing of that. You're you're really uh, you're uh, on the front on the bleeding edge of uh, what <laughs> folks who are running for office ought to do. As you know, I'm a big fan of your candidacy for uh, North Carolina Senate. And uh, in fact, it's uh, by, by number, it is the seat that I once held for a little while. And, uh, and I'm glad you're doing it. In fact, and, and I'm, and I currently reside, although I'm probably going to move into uh, my changed congressional district, but I currently reside in a, in a precinct that is part of your district. So I know how I'll be voting on, on election day, and I think well, you like it. <laughs> an endorsement and a vote, I will take it, Congressman. Thank you so much. <laughs> I really appreciate that. Um, so, if just to kind of dive into it, I mean, wow, there are so many examples um, of judicial and law enforcement overreach in the last couple months. I mean, I can't even keep up with all this. Um, just in preparing to to talk to you, so many things have happened just since I set this up. Uh, the North Carolina Supreme Court, they invalidated the will of the people just a week ago to have voter ID laws. And then you hear about the IRS being increased by 87,000 agents, I hear, with firearms. I mean, this seems insane to me. Yeah. And in fact, the IRS, I think the thing to throw in there, maybe even before you get to uh, narrowing your topic, which I know you're going to do, but but uh, just on the IRS thing for a second, Mark, the uh, one thing that Thomas Massey, great congressman from Kentucky, uncovered is that uh, it was it was an IRS advertisement for agents that says must be willing to use deadly force, <laughs> and then they they took that down off their website immediately after he brought it to the fore. But my word, what I think to, to the point you're making, so many Americans are out there saying, what is going on? You know, I mean, you think about that. It's almost like this used to be hidden and now it's just kind of in your face. Uh, but I, I, I just I, you know, it's interesting. You, you just mentioned I, I'm, I'm I've been doing this podcast now for about a month. In the last week, I've interviewed two individuals and one and both of them have weighed in on law enforcement in two really different but really, believe it or not, similar ways. And the first interview uh, that I did was with a very highly decorated former Charlotte Mecklenburg police officer, um, Jonathan Stepp. And he and I discussed the continual weakening of local law enforcement. And this is really, you know, this is in the news every day, the defund the police movement, uh, a city council with members who've called them terrorists. And as a result, CMPD has a deficit of over 400 officers today. And then literally just a couple days later, I interviewed a North Carolina man who escaped Venezuela shortly after that extremely wealthy nation was taken over by the communist regime of uh, Hugo Chavez. Now, one of the ways Chavez converted that nation from one of the wealthiest to one where citizens are regularly eating from garbage cans was to nationalize or I guess federalize the police. Mm hmm. 
And then, you know, then you kind of fast forward and say, okay, you know, I'm watching bits of that January 6th hearings that yep. just like they went on forever and ever that had this dramatic finale with this early morning raid on the former president of the United States private home in Florida. And, you know, I, it's almost like an understatement. Hey, a lot of folks think something's changed in federal law enforcement and Congressman, what in the world has changed? Well, and, you know, uh, I'm going to even draw a little separation. I'm going to really home in on on the DOJ and the FBI. But if you, you take the and because you, you've talked about a number of examples that are coming. That, and I think what I encounter over and over again, talking to people, Mark, and frankly, it's sort of where I draw my inspiration from, because it's pretty demoralizing to be in Washington in a lot of ways. But uh, and see the kind of parade of outrages and unprecedented acts, just one after yeah. another. But um uh, you know, I, even on the January 6th, you know, this this thing you said that it's almost like the January 6th hearings have culminated in the raid on on President Trump's residence at Mar-a-Lago. I even <clears throat> argue to you that it, that it appears to be worse than that, because at least from what yeah. DOJ has said publicly in the release of <clears throat> the release of its uh, warrant related materials thus far and more of that and, and another piece of that supposed to come today. Um uh, you know, it seems to be they, they seem to contend as sort of a run of the mill investigation under the Presidential Records Act and or the Espionage Act, which is a, a, a tremendously misplaced use of that statute. Yeah. And so they they suggest it's not even a January 6th related uh, compelled thing, which is which is almost worse, Mark, because it's the it's the first time in history of the United States that the DOJ has seen it as appropriate and necessary to conduct. Uh, the ex to ex execute a criminal search warrant at the residence of a former president, particularly an immediately past, immediate past president. And and there's there's no indication uh, at this point publicly, I think, of what the urgency and the compelling circumstance requiring that was. So here's the thing. If you look at DOJ and FBI and focus on them specifically, there's there is a at least you can say there's a loss of judgment for proportionality. When, when is it appropriate to take criminal law enforcement action? Uh, and, and they blow through all the caution signs. So, um, you know, as I said, the January 6 hearings, I think the responsibility falls on uh, the speaker, Nancy Pelosi, and on Liz Cheney, frankly, yeah. for what yeah. is amounting to a Soviet show trial and a, and a, and a yeah. fundamental lack of respect for minority rights and fundamental procedural protect protections. But this Trump raid, as I say, is all the fault of the DOJ and FBI, but it exhibits the same lack of proportionality and respect for traditions. Uh, it's um, uh, so I so you've got, you know, this never before in 258 years exercise of criminal law enforcement authority. Yeah. Uh, and it's fraught with politics. So that, you know, that that's kind of the the and that's that's the best example, perhaps, of the problem we face. But if I could just go on a little bit longer. Yeah, this is not the first time. It's not isolated at all. This is a, a think back to uh, James Comey dithering over Hillary Clinton's emails in public and that interference in that election. Immediately yeah. following that election, the Russia hoax, Comey briefs President Trump on the dossier, which was trash. As a, and they did that as a in, in, in a strategy. You had um, 
Remember Comey bragging about sending FBI agents into the White House before the White yes. House Counsel's Office was organized to interview Mike Flynn. They subsequently persecuted him until until he, they were basically made to stop uh, right. by a judge, and then ultimately he was pardoned. He had manipulation to yield the appointment of the special counsel, Mueller, in two years of that presidency consumed in an effort to lay, and there was no evidence in support of any kind of wrongdoing connected to Russia, and yet they did this elaborate effort to lay the groundwork for an obstruction prosecution against the president. Um, you know, we, we, we've we never gotten to the bottom of what is covered by a, an opinion from the uh, the FISA court, the, uh, uh, right. the Foreign right. Intelligence Surveillance Court, the 99-page opinion Judge Rosemary Collier issued that said, among that there had been thousands of illegal searches of the NSA database. We don't know who did those searches to this day by contractors of the FBI. And and she said that the FBI displayed an institutional lack of candor. All this now, some people would say, well, it's ancient history, but but so, okay, it's let's not. go to current. Let's go current. You got this proliferating things too. Uh, you had the memo by the Attorney General of the United States targeting parents of school children last year. Mm -hmm. uh, you had the Whitmer fednapping, you know, plot that we've heard oh, a great wow. deal about. Two two defendants acquitted on grounds of entrapment by the FBI DOJ. That was announced within a month before the 2020 election. Coordinated <laughs> with Governor Whitmer in Michigan, who blamed it on President Trump. Everybody you know, remembers the, the, that. Sure. And uh, and and so I mean, part of them. I'm, I'm going on too long because no. they just keep going. But even as you said, it's not just the, the I mean, the Trump, the, the raid on Trump just a couple of weeks ago is not the latest thing either. We, they announced yesterday, the DOJ announced yesterday that they have uh, uh, squeezed guilty pleas out of two people who, uh, you know, obtained Ashley Biden's diary from a place where a halfway house where she was drying out. And, and took it and gave it to the, um, can't think of the name of the James O'Keefe's organization. Right. And the right. doggone FBI, public uh, integrity section, decides to become involved and prosecute two people for interstate transportation of property. It's a diary. Yeah. There's no judgment at the FBI, Mark, or said maybe some people would say that sounds naive. The judgment is 100% politicized. It's kind of an end, end republic you know, end of the Republic state uh, politicizing of justice. This is the most politicized conversation. I mean, you, everything that I'm hearing, everything that you're saying, it's mind blowing how uh, partisan every single bit of this is from supposedly nonpartisan organizations. And I, I that bring me, you know, you, you've got to look at, OK, who who is who's in charge? And obviously it's President Biden, but but my next question is about Merrick Garland. I mean, he's the yeah. attorney general of the United States of America, supposedly the nonpartisan chief law enforcement officer of the United States. And so I will uh, almost understatedly ask you, would you say he's fulfilling his job description? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> grief. It's, it, it is uh, it, it's it probably a misused term for me to say it, but I'll go ahead and say it. that's laughable. Yes, uh, it's not laughable because it's far too serious. Remember that this is the guy they thought uh, was preeminently qualified to be uh, a, a justice on the Supreme Court. Oh my gosh! Um, and, and and if you if so, if, if his you know his most important uh, 
responsibility is to symbolize the integrity of law, federal law enforcement. Um, yes. To stand for the rule of law, and you could go, uh, you could you could take his decision in terms of the search at President Trump's compound, uh, for for which there is, I, I think. Uh, and of course, we'll see if they come up with something. That's one thing they do, by the way, Mark, is the sort of the punishment is a process. They they go do something like that, notorious public scandalous act, never before in the history of the country. And then they leave everybody to sort of speculate on what they why they've done it and where where they're going with it for months and months and months in order to do damage. It is a it is a strategy. But he he signed off on that. Uh, or you could go back to the other incident that I mentioned in October of 2021. This memorandum that came that he uh, issued targeting parents of yes. school children because they were getting rowdy with school boards in, across the country. Remember how that came to pass? Now that we oh, know, yeah. it was orchestrated by the White House. They they solicited the letter from this National Association of School Boards. By the way, that um, entity, that non-governmental organization, volunteer sort of association since recanted and apologized for the letter, but the White House solicited it and then worked with the DOJ and Garland cooperates without an issues of memorandum giving credence to the idea that there's some nationwide plague of threats. Um, so he, he either, and I've said we've, we've gotten a chance to ask him questions once in the Judiciary Committee. Uh, he was, uh, you know, utterly befuddled. He, he's either, I saw he either doesn't have a clue, Mark, or he is completely a malignant figure. In either way, in either event, uh, I'd have to tell you that, as far as I'm concerned, his impeachment would be an appropriate step. So many things that I mean, and you you really kind of answered my next question is that I mean I, I hear Dr. Fauci's leaving in December, and it's probably because we're, when the House is taken over by Republicans, he would be under quite a lot of scrutiny. Maybe Merrick Garland should follow his example, but. That's just my opinion. <laughs> uh, and since this podcast is called the elephant in the room, uh, you know, we, we can we can say these things. But, uh, you know, you have said uh, I, I'm going to I'm going to say these in a simple way. So many people I, when I look at the Biden administration, I can't figure out, are they stupid or sinister or is it a combination of the two? I, I, I can't figure it out. And sometimes maybe it is a combination, but it's it's infuriating. Uh, I have not seen an apology. I'm a parent of of high school aged kids and Merrick Garland, President Biden. No apology to me for saying that we, be, us being upset with the school board. Uh, it, it goes on and on, I think. You uh, know, Mark, to, to that point, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, you, you it, 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 people do speculate over those those questions and they're important ones. Um, I, I will tell you that I think there's this is pretty sure. Uh, I mean, I, I look at Garland, and as I say, sometimes you judge the demeanor when he's under uh, under questioning, and he just seems to be befuddled. And so you think, yeah. well, he might be an idiot at the end of the day, right? Uh, notwithstanding his you know grand lionizing by the left. But I can guarantee you that behind all this is sinister uh, activity. It is sinister. You do not have uh, this uh, uh, it, 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 unbelievable pattern of of uh, misuse of a vaunted law enforcement department. Well, I say the, the, the yeah. Department of Justice. It's not just the FBI, by the way. It's, yeah. it's the Department of Justice by political appointees and see the recalcitrant you know, stubbornness in pursuing these things. It, it is, it's malignant. It is sinister. 
uh, and, and that's what it feels like. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, you know, I mean, since you're talking about, you know, those those two organizations in one sentence, I mean, they are inter they're uh, they're inter intertwined, DOJ and FBI. And, you know, I'm hearing more and more phrases like, you know, President Biden, he's weaponized the DOJ and the FBI yeah. weaponized them. What exactly does that mean? Well, I think it gets at that sinister uh, conduct. It is it's not uh, when, when, you know, there are inevitably there are going to be uh, criminal law enforcement uh, issues that touch upon political affairs. It, mm-hmm. It's been true throughout the course of the country's history. It's going to happen. You're going to have people in, in high office or candidates for high office who commit crimes that have to be prosecuted. Um, but. The weaponization is when you take uh, this this vaunted and independent, you know, quasi-independent law enforcement part of our federal government that has so much potential to do harm, and you uh, engage in a pattern of purposeful conduct to use it to your political advantage and to damage your enemies. And I think, I think the Ashley Biden diary case, uh, you can't think of a better example. There is no way that the FBI or the Department of Justice would have involved itself in the international or excuse me, in the interstate transportation of a personal diary that somebody accused another of of having taken as opposed to somebody saying they found it. You would never have the Justice Department of the United States involved in that unless it had unless it were a political favor to the Biden to to Joe Biden. Yes. And uh, and that is, you know, that to me puts the capstone on what you refer to as weaponization. That's that's weaponization. And there is no bottom once you're into that. It, the it can you can yeah. use the, the the justice functions in the United States to destroy lives without any sense of proportionality to what has happened to what the events are in question. And uh, and once you've crossed that Rubicon, it's hard to go back. It, it It's almost like you're falling down a well. And then once you get to the bottom, uh, it's the water is lowering and, and it's getting harder and harder to even see the light up at the top. However, however, and this this is where I um, I feel like and, and I'm a candidate for the very first time and I'm trying to channel my inner Ronald Reagan and <laughs> realize that, you know, this was a dark country in 1979. Yep. Uh, there was not a lot of hope ahead. And, and rather than uh, tell us how horrible Jimmy Carter was, he told us all how good we were. And he changed a lot of things. And this was in 1980. Next thing you know, um, we're in the kind of prosperity that we had. We believed in ourselves again. So to end this on a positive note, um, my favorite part is to say, if you, Congressman, had a magic wand, okay, and you could overhaul the DOJ and the FBI, what are the two or three <clears throat> biggest changes or, or even more um, that you would make to ensure that those organizations return to their roots to enforce the laws passed by duly elected officials of the people? Mark, that's a tremendously important question. And I don't know all the answers, but I'll give you a few that are, that are floating around. And I'll say, uh, to, to your point about President Reagan, you're exactly right. If you uh, look at turning uh, what was in a dark picture in America, the misery index, a lot of things, yep. and turning it into 25 years of prosperity. That's exactly what government and leadership ought to be about. Right. And and here, um, you, you know, it, until 
recently, relatively recently, in terms of the history of the country, there's been enormous respect for both the FBI and the Department of Justice. And for yeah. the, and, and there still continues to be a, a, a hope uh, that the corruption we're talking about doesn't extend all the way through the organization, certainly not to folks who are working hard to protect us from crime and from terrorists and so forth. But all that said, I think the first step is we've got to do something again that was done in the 70s. They had mm-hmm. something called the Church Committee, named after Frank Church in the Senate. They actually had a, oh, yeah. I believe it was called the Pike Committee in the House, that, uh, and they, that report's never been officially released. Okay. There were versions I'm not, I'm that I'm not familiar out. with that. Yeah, but they were looking at so the, the, those exact abuses, particularly abuses of in, in the intelligence community, but they also got you know DOJ and FBI. And I think we need to have a, a, a concentrated focus on and, and get out and you get to the heart of who's responsible for decisions, how are decisions being made, how have policies gone awry, how are people departing from policy? So first point, we've got to use the next Congress if Republicans are in control of the House as yes. an oversight juggernaut. We've got to uh, exercise Congress's oversight responsibility and powers in an unprecedented way to meet the unprecedented challenge. Uh, and, and the church committee sort of serves, I say it's unprecedented, it's unprecedented in the sense that even the church committee didn't face what we faced. But we've got to bring that kind of effort to bear. Um, many believe that the, the most significant reform seems to be to figure out how to get rid of uh, the Washington uh, part of DOJ and FBI, at least the size and centralization of the Washington field office in the FBI and DOJ. So um, send it across the country, decentralize it, put make the FBI, put the FBI and essentially uh, put FBI agents under the supervision of U.S. attorneys and jurisdictions throughout the country, oh, drastically wow. reduce the size of, uh, of the D.C. Uh, institution and on the, uh, you know, and the same in the in the DOJ. Now, details of that are going to have to emerge. There's also another serious proposal that's been that's come out. People note that one of the abuses I mentioned, the FISA court and so forth, is yeah. that FBI has not only serves as sort of a regular law enforcement process, you know, organization doing uh, criminal criminal law enforcement, but it also has this counterterrorism function and access to intelligence for the for that purpose, and that's been abused over and over and over. So removing the domestic yeah. intelligence functions and the counterintelligence functions from the FBI to another agency also is an idea I think that, that has promise. Um, but it's not even that's not going to be adequate though to reach, you know, this issue of whether the FBI is entrapping people and fednapping accusations. It would yeah. not answer the question of what happened to call, to lead to the Ashley Biden diary prosecution decisions. And uh-huh. so I'm frankly uncertain. But I can tell you that the first step is aggressive oversight, and that's what I intend to get to in the next Congress. Assuming as I'm all, ho- I think we're all hopeful yeah. that Republicans do well in this November. Uh, just as I hope you guys will take a supermajority in the North Carolina legislature. Well, one of the things I'm telling a lot of folks, too, is, is you know, this red wave doesn't happen unless there's people inside the red wave voting. And we've got to remind everybody to go out and vote. This is this is our constitutional right. This is a government of the people, for the people, by the people. It has not looked that way recently, but it is whether they like it or not. And that's what we've got to continue going. And I got to tell you, this decentralization idea, uh, it almost reminds me of of going back to the states and and why our nation is so prosperous is we have 50 different states. We, we, We decentralize the power. And you're right. Washington has become a juggernaut. 
um, in every sense of the word. So, Congressman, I uh, this has been a, a deep and a fantastic conversation. I, I cannot thank you enough for being on t- uh, today. Uh, Mark, it's a pleasure to be with you. I appreciate what you're doing and all the energy you and Jenny are, are applying to this important race. Uh, <clears throat> and you're engaging in this conversation in order to help inform people at the same time on issues that are of significance to them. So I look forward to continuing to work with you as I see your anticipated success and as we go forward. So thanks for the opportunity to be with you. Thank you, sir. Thank you so much. So until next time, folks, have a great day and always be on the lookout for the elephant in the room.